Hello and thank you for downloading the latest episode of the Car Fiction Footlock for the Love of Cars podcast. This week we'll be talking about Formula One, how the season has finally returned in Austria and what the future holds for all the teams in this and following seasons. Uh, unfortunately, as is the curse of all Car Fiction podcasts, we recorded this on Tuesday afternoon, mere moments before it was revealed that Fernando Alonso will be making a return to Formula One next year with Renault. We obviously didn't have that information at the time of recording and we speculate wildly about whether or not he should come back and whether or not that actually would happen. So with that in mind and with that massive caveat, please enjoy the latest episode of the Footlock podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Carfection uh, Footlock podcast, a bonus episode to go in between the major ones. Uh, and as it is with the bonus episodes, I'm not joined by my Footlock friend, Mr. Henry Catchpaw today, but I'm joined by Mr. Phil Tromans, freelance uh, motoring journalist and more crucially for this conversation, uh, podcaster, co-host of the For Formula One's Sake podcast. Hello, Phil. How are you doing? Hello, I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm, I'm excellent. I'm especially upbeat because this weekend was uh, the return of actual real life cars on track racing in formula one which is what we want to talk about today um how relieved were you that the season actually managed to get back up and running very relieved uh, mainly because i think until about a week before it actually happened i didn't think it was going to happen really when when, all, when it all started kicking off uh in march or whenever it was uh, i immediately thought well that's it we're not gonna have any racing this year this is they're just going to shut down We'll have some esports, and that'll be it, and we'll see how things work out. But they, they fair play to, to everyone involved. They managed to get themselves together and, and put on what turned out to be a, a cracking event. Well, the, the Australian Grand Prix, which uh, would have been the kickoff for the season, as it is every year, um, was shut down just days before uh, it was due to happen. It was that close to, to happening, so you can be forgiven for thinking that this new race was still in potential jeopardy right up to the point. I think... We knew the Chinese Grand Prix wasn't going to happen. That seemed to be a given quite early on before the season started. But um, yeah, there was a point at which we thought the entire year was a write-off. But I'm very glad that they managed to do it. This was the Austrian Grand Prix, not to be mistaken with the Grand Prix happening this Sunday, which is named after the region of Austria, even though it's at the same track in Austria. Yes, it's exactly the same, but with a completely different name. It's sort of moving on from the idea of having a European Grand Prix rather than a Spanish or uh, you know San Marino Grand Prix or anything like that. Yeah. It's going to be the Styrian Grand Prix. Styrian. And then they'll be doing a similar thing at Britain in a few weeks where they'll have the British Grand Prix at Silverstone and then a week later they'll have another British Grand Prix, but it'll be called the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. Yes. Although I think it should be called the Northamptonshire Grand Prix, but that's another conversation. I think that 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 does have a ring to it, but it seems very I mean to be honest if the the what's the Austrian one the uh, Styrian, Styrian Grand Prix. Yeah, but I'd never heard of that as a region even though that is where the uh the racetrack is. It just seems like the the Northamptonshire. Yeah, I would go for that. <laughs> I mean, you could you could start to pin it down like even more like to the street. Or just yeah. yeah like, somebody, somebody on Twitter suggested the toaster trophy, which I quite liked. The new TT, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, they've got to, they've got to try and rebrand it somehow, so it's not just exactly the same thing again. Which, in effect, it will be, but maybe with slightly different weather. Well, there's for this season. Uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but at this moment in time, they don't know exactly how many races the season is going to have. No, they don't. There's only eight races confirmed at this point. Yeah, and of course, you know pandemics being pandemics there's 
presumably always the chance that they might not happen either. But right now we've got eight confirmed in the diary. And then there's a few more... Uh, Potentials? Hev- heavily touted. Yeah. And a few more that are also maybe possible, but it's slightly unclear. And then a few more that we were originally going to have that are almost definitely not going to happen. Mm. Well, the, so, was it this year or next year that the Netherlands was meant to get... Um, the, the the was lobbying to get the Grand Prix was that for the twenty twenty one yeah season? that was this year no we should have had that already um, that's that's dead that's that's gone we're not having that this year I think they've given up on that and they'll they'll have another crack next year when hopefully we're all less diseased well I mean that's a that's a great shame um the I've been following this group on Facebook who've been lob, like, lobbying for it to happen for a very long time and they've had like a countdown clock of how many days for couple of years now for how long they think it's going to be until the the dutch grand prix and for that to be that to be taken away at the very last minute just seems like a a a horrible horrible shame um the countries that are going to have it i mean there's far less people traveling around with the the traveling circus that is formula one so that should make life a little bit easier so is there no is there definitely no potential that countries like the netherlands might see what austria's been able to do and go oh you know what we can probably give a crack at that not as far as I'm aware. I mean, everything is so up in the air. This is the most up in the air I think F1 has ever been, uh, which, in, you know, in some ways is great. It adds a, adds a few uh, unpredictables into the mix, mm. which is always fun in Formula One. But uh, no, to the best of my knowledge, that we've got Austria twice, Hungary, Great Britain twice, Spain, Belgium and Italy. Those are all in the bag, mm. going to go ahead, bar anything particularly unforeseen yeah. and then there's a few others that they're talking about which include Mugello uh, which would be good because we've never had a race there before Portimao which would be amazing because yeah. we've never had a race there and it's a brilliant track Hockenheim Imola maybe coming back and then Bahrain Abu Dhabi maybe Russia China Vietnam and Canada probably not any of the American races um, it's uh, at the moment if if those go ahead it's hard to see where uh, where they'd squeeze the Netherlands in, to be honest. But from what I understand, no, they've given up on that. Well, it's a, it's a nice problem to have if you can't squeeze one in this season because we didn't think anything would happen at all. Yes, yeah, so the first race was the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, and thankfully, it was actually quite an eventful race because the, the last thing we would have wanted after a three-month delay in the season starting up was really boring race where Hamilton qualifies on pole stays out in front uh, with Bottas trailing up uh, on second place with just the third position on the podium maybe the only interesting fight out there but I mean even before the race got started uh, there was already some controversy so we knew that uh, Bottas was on pole that was fine but Hamilton uh, qualified on second place but got a three place grid penalty now what did you make of that last minute penalty because at, at first it seemed to go back and forward whether or not he was going to be given it. No, it was a bit of a funny one. Basically, the the, the crux of the complaint was that uh, Hamilton didn't lift during the yellow flag that came out when Bottas spun off ahead of him. Bottas had already set his fastest time, so still ended up on pole. But when he was trying to go a bit faster, he lost it, skittered through the gravel. Yellow flags came out. Hamilton was just behind him, went zooming through um, and set, set a good time. Um, and... People watching were like, "Hang on a second, he didn't he didn't lift during the yellow flags, which he's supposed to do." Uh, stewards took a look at the footage. Well, they took a look at some footage yeah. and concluded that no, it was fine. You know, he wouldn't have seen the yellow flag uh, because by the time it happened, he was basically at the the green flag that um, that signified that everything was fine again. Yeah, and they they sort of said, "No, it's all fine. He can stay where he was." But then 
somehow some more footage from the 360 camera, 360 degree camera on the car came came to light, quite where it was, I'm not sure. But they looked at it again, I mean, literally an hour before the race, uh, in which it was fairly clear that actually, no, there was a yellow, a yellow light and he should have seen it, he should have slowed down. And so they gave him a, um, a, a grid penalty, which pushed him down, I think, to fifth. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. It seemed to hinge on the fact that the stewards didn't actually have access to all the footage, which in this day and age seems very weird. But it's Formula One. You know, we, we expect a certain level of um, uh, mismanagement and uh, incompetence. And, and, you know, it's good to have that kind of thing back. Yeah, yeah it was. There's, was it that footage found or rediscovered under pressure from other teams complaining about it? Well, other teams did complain about it, but um, and as far as I can tell, nobody had, well, nobody of any influence had, had seen it until that day, because one would presume that if if anyone had seen it uh, at the time, they would have gone, well, look at this, no, give him a penalty. Hmm. Um, but uh, no, they didn't. So, you know, this, this is the kind of thing that I think a lot of fans uh, of Formula One have missed. You know, the racing is great and the personalities are great, but it's the, it's the catastrophes and the politics and the, the general mismanagement that I think makes the sport, uh, you know, the best motorsport out there. Well, that, that wasn't the last of the, uh, the kind of controversies and, uh, and issues during the race, and we'll probably touch on those in just a minute. Um, uh, Bottas out on pole. I mean, it's, it, it's quite familiar from last season where... Bottas started the season with a, a win as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, did he qualify on pole in the uh, Australian Grand Prix last year as well? I, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but it sounds about right. He, yeah. The last couple of years, he's been uh, he's started Bottas the season. Yes, so this is this is for the first race. This is Bottas. Well, this is the problem with Bottas. You know, when he when he's good, he's very very good. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't seem to have that consistency. You know, last year he came back with a with a beard after the end of the season and everyone was like, oh, he's got a beard. <laughs> and then he he went out and he was brilliant in Australia and everyone was like, oh, he's going to take the fight to Hamilton. And then, you know, after four or five races, everyone was like, do you remember Bottas? Yeah, he's rubbish now again. He just mm. hasn't got that consistency or he hasn't up until now. And I'm sort of reluctant to get on the Bottas 3.0 uh uh, bandwagon because you know we've seen this before we know that he can be quick and he can have good weekends but what he hasn't been able to do up to now is to keep it going through the whole season whereas Hamilton when he's great he's amazing and even when he's rubbish he's still pretty good mm. uh, you know he had a bit of, bit of a shocker of a weekend and he still ended up fourth so um I, I don't know yeah you know Bottas did everything he needed to do but this is the first of some races yeah. uh, and he needs to keep he needs to keep that up for the whole for the whole season you know if we only have eight then it's a good start for him but um i wouldn't be i wouldn't be heading down the bookies and putting my money on bottas for the championship quite yet mm. well there has been a tradition in the last couple of years of um lewis hampton not necessarily having the best of starts to season but then definitely getting more consistent and just dominating through the second half and, and all the way through the end but not knowing where that halfway point is, that could be in four weeks' time. We could already be halfway through the season, or not. No, it, it, well, it adds a, this all adds a very interesting dynamic to the season. You know, not just in terms of that. You know, ha, you know, when do people need to take their when when do people need to take their moments, and when can they sort of you know just write off a weekend as not going right? Mm. Um, but also in you know all the way down to things like how many engines they have for the season but how long's the season how long do they need to make the engines last how long do they need to make the power units last how long blah 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 blah. you know nobody at this point knows so there's loads of things up in the air and you could argue that now more than ever you absolutely need to maximize every single 
opportunity you have to get points. And for that reason, there'll be a lot of probably quite annoyed people mm. uh, from from Austria because there are an awful lot of uh, people who didn't do that. Um, in terms of other teams besides Mercedes, the other top two, oh, um, Ferrari did, definitely Hello? did not see... Are you still there? I'm still here. Oh, sorry. Yep. You froze for a second. Okay. Um, in terms of other teams besides uh, Mercedes that are realistically in contention for the for the championship, both the drivers and the constructors, is, is Red Bull and Ferrari. I mean, that's for years they've really only been realistically the, the only challenges to it but Ferrari seem to be way 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 off the pace um, in terms of qualifying with I think this I was watching it on Sky and they were trying to dig out the statistics on when the last time was that Sebastian Vettel failed to get through to uh, through qualifying on pace alone so no mechanical errors but just did not have the pace to make it through to um, to Q3 do you, do you think that's indicative of something that's going to put Ferrari at a uh, at a disadvantage for the entire season? Or do you think that was a one-off for Austria? No, I think I think Ferrari are in quite a bit of trouble. Um, they basically last year they had a very fast car in a straight line for various reasons that I'm, maybe we'll get into, <laughs> um, but they they were not quite as quick through the corners, so. Uh, their focus in the off-season for this new car was to to really get the downforce sorted for the corners, which they seem to have done because uh, Austria, their car was quicker through the corners than last year. The trouble is, by putting all that downforce on, they appear to have put a huge amount of drag at higher speeds to the point where they were the slowest car in a straight line of everybody on the grid. And overall, the car was slower around Austria than it was last year. So that's a bit of a disaster. Now, the fact that they are slow in a straight line and they appear to maybe not have quite the engine power that they did last year, mysteriously after there was an FIA clarification on the engine rules that, you know, some cynical people might say uh, shows that perhaps they were being creative with the rules. Let's yeah. let's leave it there at the advice of the lawyers. Uh, <laughs> you know, that may be coincidence, but um, the car does not look good. You know, they were very slow in qualifying. Look, look. It seems that Leclerc has did a pretty good job to qualify seventh, and then in the race, through a mixture of driving well and extreme good luck through various safety cars and so on, managed to get himself um, into second. But he, even he admitted after the race that you know it was a bit of a fluke, and I think they're going to have a very difficult few races. I mean, there's not really any time for them to do much to the car before the Styrian Grand Prix this this coming weekend, so you'd expect them to be pretty similar. Um, and by the time we get to Monza, if they haven't managed to sort something out, I mean, Monza is an incredibly high-speed circuit, and worse, it's their home circuit. Yep. And if their car is the slowest in a straight line, they are going to be pretty dreadful. Uh, and that's before we even start talking about the internal wranglings that they've got between Sebastian Vettel and the team, which, well, yeah. uh, which are considerable. Yeah, because it's Sebastian Vettel who's been racing with Ferrari for five years... Five, something like that four or five years um, has not been offered a contract for next year um, which is quite surprising he's one of the most uh, the second most decorated driver on the grid at the moment um, and for him not and, and definitely on a good day still an extremely good driver so for him not to be offered a, a contract seems to be a bold statement from Ferrari about their state of the future but if Ferrari are you know propping up the rear of the grid for the next couple of races it might be that Sebastian Vettel feels like he's had a, a lucky escape 
Well, I mean, you say it's a bold statement from Ferrari, but it wasn't actually the statement that they put out. They said that, that, that by mutual consent, uh, they and Vettel had decided that they wouldn't continue their relationship from, from 2021 uh, onwards. Yeah. But at the start of this weekend, which is basically the first time any journalists have had a chance to speak to, to Vettel, he said, uh, no, they never never offered me a contract and I was pretty surprised about it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, he, he is not playing that PR game. He's like, no, I'm... I think he's pretty, pretty annoyed about it, and he's not. Vettel is is another. Again, he's he's one of those drivers that is, when he's good, he's very very good, but when he's a bit off, it all goes a bit wrong. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. You don't become four time world champion by being, you know, average. He's yeah. really good, but he does make mistakes when he's rattled, and I would imagine that you know being turfed out of the team that you were the number one driver for for a while in favour of a young upstart who pretty comprehensively beat him last year um, has put him off and he didn't drive particularly well in Austria he had a you know in, in the race he made a very ambitious move on Carlos Sainz ploughed into the side of him spun himself um, finished down in 10th he really needs to get his act together um, yeah. and presumably come to grips get to grips with the fact that you know he, he's not going to be at Ferrari next year and decide what he wants to do um, next year will he retire will he go to another team there's some talk that maybe he could go to Renault I mean well I there's a gap there now because there uh, is <laughs> there is because uh, yeah, in, in, in more hilarious soap, soap opera politics Daniel Ricciardo's basically given two fingers up to uh, to Renault and he's off to McLaren uh, which has not gone down with Renault. So there's, uh, there's that was a after he, he he was publicly like commenting on the fact that they said that they think they could be in race winning condition in five years, and he's chucked it in after after one effectively uh, of not trusting that they're on the roadmap that he thought they could be. No, that that does seem to be the uh, the message. It's a it's a big old slap in the face to Renault and a big old vote of no confidence. You could say from the outside, not unjustified, based on how Renault have underperformed compared you know they're, they're a works team with the, the might of a big car manufacturer behind them and they're really not doing as well as they should be yeah um but yeah that leaves a big ricardo shaped hole at renault and the the sort of the talk seems to be will fettel go there or will fernando fernando alonso come back obviously and, having won two world championships with them yeah and that is i mean that just alone the idea of him coming back um after the shocker that he had at um mclaren for however many years he was back there. Do, do, do you think, would you welcome him back on the grid? Do you think it would be a good thing to have him back on, out there? Or is will it just be another sad year of watching someone who's an excellent driver being underserved by his car? It, it depends how you look at it and what you look for when you say good. I mean, from an entertainment point of view and from... <laughs> yeah. From again, sort of sitting back and watching the soap opera as a as a neutral, as as personally I tend to do. I don't have a particular horse in any games, but to see I mean, technically one of the best drivers ever. I think mm-hmm. very few would argue that that, that Alonso is that. But also, is apparently a pretty disagreeable man in terms of you know how you work with him. Not averse to um, pulling some very questionable tactics in terms of you know in-house politics and yeah. and looking after your your your, your colleagues um he's annoyed seemingly most people in the in the paddock but he's really good so i can see why they would have him back you know they've got that championship winning history with him but 
I can also see why they wouldn't want to touch him with a barge pole. Um, and if, you know, we, we saw how Alonso behaved at McLaren when the car wasn't performing, which was to say, basically didn't stop kicking them while they were down, to the point where Honda won't let him use one of their engines in IndyCar anymore. Um, there's always the the risk that if he goes to a team that's already underperforming and they keep underperforming, he is unlikely to tow the party line and keep quiet about it. And then then they've got a big PR disaster on their hands, mm. even more than they have at the moment. So, But then on the other hand, I can't really see Fettel wanting to go there either. I mean, you know, having having been at Red Bull and, and smashed out world championships left, right and centre, then gone to Ferrari and, you know, underperformed, but, you know, still won races and still... It's still no, being okay. part of Ferrari, even if you never win. There's just yes. something to be said for being part of that family. And he did win. He didn't win any championships, but he won races, and you yeah. know he tasted some. He tasted some some glory there. I can't see him having that with Renault. Is he going to be happy pooling around in in a midfield team? I can't really see it, mm. if I'm honest. But you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Um, we, we, there's who a lot- else would they go with? The the, the alternative no. is that they go for a. For another young driver, but they, obviously they've got Esteban Ocon back this year uh, in place of Nico Hulkenberg. Um, is he ready to be a, a lead driver next year? No, he's Not a bit hokey cokey sure. for us to have been able to in out in out for us to have been able to see any consistent performance. So no, indeed. I mean, he, he's he's highly regarded, and you know, he, he's done pretty well, but he's he's still relatively inexperienced. And if Renault are going to get back on on track, no pun intended, and, and become like a top three team, you could argue that they need somebody super experienced in there. So who knows? I think the only the only teams that I think Vettel would, would on his wish list to go to would be the only other two teams that are, are competitive, which is obviously Mercedes and um, and Red Bull. Is there do you ever see any opportunity at either of those teams to well either welcome back in the case of Red Bull or or make room in uh, Mercedes? Again, I can't really see it because, you know, the, the options, if, if, if he were to, to go to Mercedes, I don't think Hamilton's going anywhere. You know, my, my, my theory uh, last year was that, was that Vettel would retire? I thought, I thought, I've thought that for a while since he started getting tonked by Leclerc, but I thought he'd retire and that Hamilton would go to Ferrari. And obviously that's not ham- happening. Hamilton is staying at Mercedes. And with Hamilton at Mercedes, why would they want Vettel there? Because... Bottas, this weekend notwithstanding, is generally considered to be a solid number two to Hamilton. You know, Hamilton yeah. is the best driver of that team. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Um, Except perhaps Bottas, who <laughs> we've got an interview <laughs> with him on the record saying he thinks he's better. But Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm all for self-confidence, but, you know, <laughs> that's denying reality a little bit. And I, I think that if Fettel went there... There's no way that Hamilton, you know, Hamilton has got that team wrapped around him, and there's no way that he'd want Vettel to have any part of that. And Vettel would again have to play number two, I think, and I don't think he'd want to do that. I don't think Hamilton would want him to do that, and I'm not really sure Australia um, uh, that uh, Mercedes would want him to do that. So even though Toto Wolff has said, you know, he sort of paid lip service to the fact that oh no, he's a very good driver, and we'd absolutely consider him, I don't think they will. And as for Red Bull, similar story. You know, can we see him really beating Verstappen? You know, Verstappen is the golden boy there. That's why Ricardo left, because he was like, well, it's it's Verstappen's team. Yeah. And I think it'd be the same again. Um, I can't see Vettel going back to a team that he's won four world championships um, and being happy to not be the centre of attention. 
Yeah. And I can't see, you know, Red Bull, when they've had drivers at each other's throats before, haven't been particularly great at dealing with it. Uh, would they want to go through that again? With you know, trying to keep Verstappen and Vettel apart from each other? Can't I mean, see it. it. Whatever hair Christian Horner has left would certainly have retired by the time that that no, exactly. season of that I mean, would be. I, I think Vettel will retire at the end of the year, and you know he's quite a private guy. He's got loads of money. He's got a family that you know he seems to love very much. <laughs> if I were him, I'd go and retire to his very nice house with his lovely family and just you know have a lovely time and not have yeah. to worry about anything again. Yeah, but I think that's the difference. The mindset of a racing driver is 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 slightly twisted. It's slightly different, and that desire to win. I don't know if that's going to be strong enough to keep him going. But I. I, I, I... I can't see him winning again. If he, if he, his only chance of winning is getting in a good car, and the only teams that have good cars have drivers that, personally, I think are better than him. So, I can't see it. But again, what? stranger things have happened, and if it does happen, it'll be hilarious to watch. It, it will be. I mean, there's always the um, safety net of Formula E, which seems to be a a, 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 yeah. a, a place where Formula One drivers go to. Pasture? I don't know if that's the right phrasing. It's I'm meant to be sure. the future I mean, again, of racing. Yeah, I mean, it does seem to be the sort of retirement home for old old F1 drivers, but I, I can't not see... Not successful ones, though, crucially. Again, I'm not sure. I, I can't see Vettel doing that either. I, I don't know. For some reason, I can't really see him in a in a Formula E car. You know, he does race of champions, but that's, you know, that's a yeah. sort of, you know, end of season mess around. I can't really see him doing a full season of Formula E. Maybe he'd go and try a bit of Indy 500. Maybe yeah, I mean, Le Mans once or twice, like but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to see him do some endurance racing whenever the hell that comes back. Um, well, we're still fingers crossed for Le Mans this year, but uh, well, we'll see about that. Um, staying with Formula One, though, um, Red Bull. So Red Bull had a very unlucky race, uh, considering where the the cars were. We had um, uh, Max Verstappen qualified quite early up, but his car his car just crapped out on him. Uh, under no, seemingly under no pressure whatsoever. Was it ever found out exactly what happened? Because it just seemed to die. Uh, electrical issues is all I've managed to, to glean so far at the time of uh, at the time of recording, um, which then also affected Albon later on as well. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Red Bull should be pretty disappointed, I would say, because it seems like they've got a very good car probably i mean i think almost definitely the second best car on the grid although maybe not quite as close to mercedes as perhaps some of some of us would have thought or hoped before things actually started getting going um but they were looking pretty pretty solid and verstappen was looking good and then his car crapped out on him and album was looking very good and you know there's a very strong case that you could argue that album should have won the race because of the way that yeah. you know the pit stops and the and the safety cars worked out and then he tried that overtake on on new soft tires on hamilton and you know we all saw what happened he got punted off um it's a familiar story there that uh yes Albon i mean overtaking on yeah it's it uh, for, i I'm very glad to see such, not a rookie driver, but a very young driver, not scared to pull an overtake maneuver on Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton is not a massively vindictive driver, but it's still dangerous to pass uh, on any given day. So for him to, to give it a good go, it shows charisma and it shows yeah. staying power. It's it's a, it's a funny one, that because the, 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 there's been a lot of talk about who is to blame for that. Uh, that ding dong. Hamilton got a five play, uh, five second penalty. Uh, it was yeah, determined it was, it was his fault. The podium. 
I, he would have, would have been in second place if it wasn't yeah, for that first he second would. penalty. I, I thought that was a little harsh, if I'm honest. I mean, I, that I seems like agree. a racing incident to me. Having, I, having watched I, several angles of it. with you. Because the thing for me is that he doesn't change his steering input. No, exactly. And, when you look in... That, yeah. When you look on, on the in-car shot of Hamilton, when he turns into that corner on the racing line, he is in front of Albon. And then Albon on his soft tyres takes a, you know, has much more grip, goes around the outside, and by the midpoint of the corner, he's he's alongside. And as they come out, just before they hit, he's well ahead. I'm not disputing that. But Hamilton, once he turns in, doesn't, doesn't widen his line. He doesn't open up the steering. Um, and I, th- I think he even lifts off a little bit to try and tighten the line when he, when he realised that Albon is there. I don't know what more he could have done, really. You know, he undoubtedly yeah. hits at the point of contact. He Hamilton hits a car that's ahead of him, and I think that's why they they gave him the penalty. And that's you know, that is a fact. That's what happened. But I mean, I'd I'd file that firmly under racing incident personally, uh, which you know, which is a, sh- a shame for Albon because, as you say, yeah, it's great to see him going for it, and you know, he's due a bit of luck because you know he's had a pretty rocky journey to this point in his career and he seems to be taking full advantage of it but he's not getting the rub of the green at the moment so well this this is why the the kind of five second penalty from uh, Albon's point of view is rather academic because whether or not Hamilton gets a five second penalty they're not going to add more points to Alexander Albon's final score if he spins off uh, no, exactly. finish as and, a result. You know, in the end, you know, the, the, the argument was that, you know, on those soft tyres he would have got past Hamilton, then he would have chased down uh, chased down Bottas, overtaken him fairly easy and taken the win. Um, but having said that, his car then broke down anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if it was the same issue as uh, as Verstappen had, but he had he had some sort of glitch and had to retire. So yeah. it's sort of academic a little bit, but um yeah, you know, entertainment once again. Well, if we're seeing great performance from um, Albon and, and Max Verstappen is obviously uh, an incredibly powerful driver already, even if we can't see them challenging Mercedes, maybe we can get some fun out of seeing them challenge exa- ch- challenging each other um, for uh, for track position uh, and seeing that. I mean, compared to, we think of Max Verstappen as still being very, very young, but Albon is, is it's slightly newer crop even even then has got far fewer seasons under his belt so to be taking on the the older man in uh, inverted comments of formula one and not being scared to do so i'm very excited to see what they can do um and at some point Albon's going to get a podium (laughs) and he's going to get a win soon enough and it will be it'll be all the more joyous for the for the weight that's had to uh to put him there but he deserves it he definitely deserves to be up there no absolutely i mean yeah that's that's two races in a row now after uh, brazil last year where where you know he should have been much higher up than uh, than he ended up, and yeah, I think you're probably right. You know, with the, with the Red Bull being as good as it is, um, I'd be surprised if he doesn't at the very least get a couple of podiums this year. Um, someone who did get their first podium was Landon Norris for uh, McLaren. Um, do you think that this is a sign that McLaren could actually be back on the upswing after? quite a few years we were talking about the um uh, fernando years of just being uh, uh, um lambasted for poor performance but now actually seeming that they have got somewhat i mean this was a bit of a fluke to get on the podium but that they're more competitive do you think they could definitely be best of the rest for their the remainder of the season 
I think they could be up there, yeah. I mean, they're undoubtedly in a much in a much better position than they have been for a very long time. And this is their second podium in, what, three races after, again, Brazil uh, last year, which admittedly was a bit of a topsy-turvy... Uh, uh, a bit of a topsy-turvy result, but you've got to be—you've got to be in it to win it. You've got to be sort mm. of there and able to take advantage of these these things when they're thrown at you. So, yeah, McLaren will be very, very pleased. Um, Norris will be very pleased. I thought he drove really well, um, and it is looking considerably better for them this year. But it's the first race. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. At, you know, at one track, let's see where they are after three or four different tracks. Um, but you know cautiously optimistic definitely well there's the second race again in um in austria is this sunday uh which will be a couple of days after this podcast makes it to your devices and by the time you listen to this you may even know the result and hopefully we'll we'll know more about the future of this season of f1 but i wanted to talk to you kind of about um the future of f1 in general obviously the pandemic has has put a massive limit on what we can expect from this season but it's also affecting the industry in a more wider sense um in particular companies like mclaren who have obviously got their formula one division and the the but also manufacture cars and try to sell them and that industry has been heavily affected by the pandemic how do you see uh, McLaren uh, being able to continue in Formula One, or do you think that this is actually going to have such a uh, an impact on them that we might be limiting the number of years we can still see McLaren making an appearance? I mean, the very short answer is who knows. There's so many things up in the air that it's mm. I I wouldn't want to go on the record making any firm predictions. Having said that, specifically with McLaren. I think they're probably, from an F1 point of view, going to be all right at least for a while. They've just had a, you know, a big old, big old bank loan from from uh, the National Bank of Bahrain, which will which will keep them going for a while. They are cutting quite a lot of jobs in the in the group, the wider group, but most of those are on the automotive side rather than the race team. Um, and before the pandemic hit them, they were doing pretty well as a group you know they were pretty profitable but now obviously no prize money or sponsorship in racing sales through the through the floor on on automotive it's hit them pretty hard if they can keep going through this period of unknown um i think going forward they'll probably be okay because obviously from 2021 he says <laughs> the there is the cost cap the cost cap comes into uh yeah into Formula One um, of $145 million a year, which then decreases over over future years. I think it's 2021 or is it 2022? Ah, somebody will tell us. Um, which, which <laughs> I thought it was 2021 as well. At least in theory, means that it'll be less incredibly difficult to make money or to, you know, to keep things going. In a Formula One point of view, and this, you know, we may talk about Williams later. This this applies to them as well. It's sort of a case yeah. of, of of treading water and, and keeping afloat for the moment until things become a bit easier. Because with with a cost cap and with the with new rules coming in that that allow more testing for for the, the worse you do in racing, the more testing you get to try and let you you know catch back up onto the back again. It it's in theory going to close that sort of never-ending cycle of 
lose, make less money, have less money to invest, therefore perform less well, therefore lose more, therefore make less money, etc., etc. So, you know, they've got they've got people willing to put money into them, um, and with a bit of luck, that will keep them going. And if they can continue this kind of on track performance that we've seen in the last few races, I think they'll be all right. You know, it, it's sad that people are losing their jobs, but. Um, from an F1 point of view, I'd be pretty surprised if McLaren aren't still around in a couple of years. How important do you think it is to McLaren to maintain that presence in Formula 1, even at a loss? Um, just to, to maintain that sense of history that and, and origin of where the company is. Oh, I think yeah, I think it's pretty important. You know, they, they trade pretty heavily on it. It's where they've come from. Yeah. You would hope now that they could keep going on, you know, for example, just the automotive business if they absolutely had to. And let's not forget, they also have their applied technologies uh, division as well within the group, which uh, I believe is is pretty successful. You know, they have a lot of diverse interests in all sorts of industries using technologies derived from Formula One and, and, and sort of, you know, spun off from that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it, it, it would be... They will, they will not want to lose it, you know, don't get me wrong. And I don't think they will lose it. If they did, I don't think it would be the end of the world, but it, they, they'd be gutted about it. But I don't think it'll um, So, well, let's, let's definitely hope it doesn't, because there's only so many teams that, are, that can retain their name over their entire lifetime. Um, uh, and that brings me on to Racing Point slash future Aston Martin... Um, uh, that's I mean that's going to be called Aston Martin, but it won't be an Aston Martin factory team. Well, or will it, it? It sort of depends who you talk to, and it's been actually really difficult to try and find out what actually what actually is going on here. As far as I can tell, the new the new in inverted commas Aston Martin Formula One team will be the same legal entity as Racing Point, but with a new name. Yeah. So it won't be officially as a company the same company as aston martin lagonda the car maker i think yeah um but all the communications are saying it's a works team blah 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 so it's a sort of you know a mostly works team a works ish team uh you know they're they're building a new factory uh, at silverstone and they're going to have the road design team based there as well so there's going to be an awful lot of crossover so to a, maybe not to all intents and purposes, but to quite a few intents and several purposes, there'll be crossover with the main, uh, with the main road car company. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's an interesting time for them. They've and they've Racing Point slash Force India has always been a team that's done well on hardly any money. They've they've always been running out of cash, and now they've got cash. They've got Lawrence yeah. Stroll, Lance's dad, has put money both into Racing Point and, you know, he's now got a controlling stake in Aston Martin, the road car company as well. So they've now got money to spend, and you'd hope that that might give everything a boost because the road car company obviously has had a, a rocky, rocky couple of months. They just ditched their... Um, ditch their CEO and have a major yeah. restructuring and cut a load of jobs and you know they're going through the ringer as well so hopefully it'll all shake out in the end but once I mean, again is this who really, knows is it really the time I mean it's not a case that Aston Martin have decided to invest in Formula 1 like they did with Red Bull by becoming title sponsor this is actually 
just the team that bears their name and and whether so I, I if it is just the team that becomes aston martin and is for all intents and purposes the same team it always was but it's just changed its name that's one thing if aston martin are actually going to divert attention from their own company into putting it into formula one and they're not winning money with it they're not um uh, at the front of the pack and they can't make that a profitable entity doesn't it just seem like another like burden around their neck trying to keep that afloat when their road car division is the one that needs the attention i guess it depends how much money lauren stroll is prepared to pump into it and the other you know the other investors as well um and you know going back to the to the heritage image uh, you know, Aston Martin has a very long history of motorsport and racing, and and having a Formula One team looks pretty good. So, I think they'd put up with does a little. Look, does what, it look good? Does it look good if they're not winning? It depends how how not winning they're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think yeah. if they're doing a Williams and Putlin round at the back, then that's not going to look good, and that will force quite a few rethinks. But you know, this year's racing point. It maybe you know looks looks pretty good. Okay, it's a it's a bit of a rip off of the Mercedes, but you know, fair play. You're allowed to do that in the way that they have. Yeah. So you know, why wouldn't you? Um, if if with the benefit of more money they can you know keep going with that kind of uh, with that kind of progress that they've showed up until now, I think I think they take you know top three team, and that you know they've said that's what they're going for. Um, I think anything less than that, then maybe eyebrows will be raised, and the further down they go, you know, eyebrows go further up, and questions start being asked. But I think you know, having an Aston yeah. Martin team that 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 is regular in the top five, regularly on the podium, would would do the job. I mean, you know, they'll they'll want to win world championships. Um, and again, you know, big rule change coming in twenty twenty two now, uh, where to a certain extent all bets are off, blank canvas. Let's see who comes out on top. You know, there's a chance that they could come up with something pretty decent. Hmm. Um, will Aston Martin still stay on Red Bull cars, or have they got a new automotive sponsor for New Year? Uh, as far as I'm aware, no, they won't. Uh, I don't know who. I don't know if they've got a new automotive sponsor actually. But uh, to the best of my knowledge, no, that'll be the end of the. You know, they'll still bring out the Valkyrie and all this kind of stuff that they develop with Red Bull. But yeah, but because because at the moment their road car design team is based at the Red Bull Technology Center, and they're going to be moving to yeah. the new to the new racing point slash aston martin facility so as far as i'm aware they're they're cutting ties with red bull you know thank you very much great job but we're moving on um but so i don't no know more red bull new influences over hypercars and whatnot not to my knowledge no it wouldn't surprise me if, if red bull come up with another uh, automotive sponsor you know they've gone through what aston martin infinity renault i don't know who's going to be next yeah sangyong the powerhouse that is San Yong trying to make their uh, well, no, who knows? Weirder things have happened. <laughs> yes. um, speaking of weirder things that happened, William still exists. Um, against all odds, they've they've been. I mean, someone has to be last. William seems to be taking that bullet for for the sport year after year at the moment. Um, I think they, although they came very close to getting points this uh, this race, not from George Russell, but from their new um, new driver whose name escapes me at this moment nicholas uh, latifi latifi that's the one a particularly yeah. relevant name as i'm sure we'll discuss in a second um yes so he is uh, he came a, a very respectable 11th uh, at the uh, austrian grand prix I mean, you say respectable he was the only driver that finished that didn't score a point but 
<laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the, but, the, but but he finished. That is true. To finish first, first you have to finish. Um, That's right. Yeah, the Williams story in recent years has been a very sad one. You know, they are the sort of the only family-owned team garageists left in in F1, but it's been going downhill and downhill and downhill over the last few years. Um, the signs from Austria were actually pretty positive. I thought, you know, relatively okay. They were towards the back, and in the end, Latifi finished finished last. But let's bear in mind that that was Latifi's first race. Uh, you know, he's he's new to F1. He's not particularly well thought of. You know, he's a solid journeyman racing driver, but you know, he hasn't done anything particularly spectacular in his career up until now. And his dad's got lots of money. Um, that always helps. Yes, his dad is Michael Latifi, who I understand has, has even more money than than Lawrence Stroll. So suddenly, uh, Lance Stroll is the is the poor pauper kid of Canadian F one drivers. Um, so, how much money is there in Canada? Oh, there's a lot of money in Canada. <laughs> a lot of money in in maple syrup and uh, apologies. Um, the the signs from Austria were relatively good. You know, George Russell was before his engine. Oh, sorry, before his fuel pump failed, was actually doing pretty well. Wasn't last, was looking like he might be able to get points, but then he had a technical failure, which is a shame, and they'll want to sort that out for the future. But the other car finished. Um, and the fact that they weren't one to two seconds off the back of everybody else is an improvement. Okay, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're not talking, you know, Nigel Mansell levels of, uh, of William's glory yet, but it's an improvement. Um, and from a business point of view, they are having an overhaul you know they've they sort of been resisting getting rid of the family control for a number of years and frankly it's not really worked and now they're having a big strategic review uh, which could involve anything from just getting a bit more money into selling the whole company you know they've said they're open to pretty much everything and that man Michael Latifi who already has a stake in the company has been tipped to take a much bigger stake in the company and, you know, Stroll style, pump some money into it. Um, this is another team where we're talking about heritage. You know, Williams has a fantastic heritage in, in Formula One. And you'd think that if somebody wanted to get into F1 at a time when cost caps are coming in and therefore it becomes much less of a terrifying investment than perhaps it once was, that there will be people interested in doing this. Whether it's Michael Latifi, other names attached have been um, Chanok Nisani, who's an Israeli businessman. His son is a Williams development driver, Roy Nisani. He's not very good, but, you know, he's got money. Um, and then there's uh, a Russian uh, businessman called Dmitry Mazapan, uh, whose son Nikita is in F2. He's also been linked with it. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know whether it's just going to be somebody putting a bit of money in, somebody taking over the whole thing. Will they rename the team? Will they keep the Williams name? It's it's up in the air, but again, you know, if Williams had to do something because they were just really struggling to stay above the water over the last few years, and it wasn't working the way that, that it's um, that it needs to. So you know, fingers crossed for them um, that that this what will be a big change, and it will be a shame to you know to see it not be family owned anymore. But you know. Formula One today, compared with when Williams first came into being in what was it, seventy nine, eighty, whatever it was, is an immensely different beast. You know, with teams seventy seven off the top of my head. Sorry, I think seventy seven off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a completely different world. 
um, now, and it, it's almost impossible to fear, be a family-owned business in a sea of multinational, you know, mega corporations. So, you know, I'd rather see them. I'd rather see the Williams brand diluted somewhat than than gone entirely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's <clears throat> with with you know names like Ferrari, where it's the name c- continues on even though it's a, an evolution from where it was and mclaren which easily could have been called something else over the years um the, the that name there's something in it that just gives you that link back to uh, the past um that would be very sad to lose uh and yeah i think claire williams has been under probably more pressure than anyone else uh in formula one not just having the racing stress and not just the business stress but the fact that it's your dad's company and that you've literally grown up with uh, as being a part of it and that that legacy comes with a huge weight on you especially with with frank still being around and her having to go back and look him in the eye basically it's not that it's her fault explicitly but she hasn't been able to dig it out of that hole it's it's terribly sad yeah i mean you know ultimately you know she's deputy team principal in name but in reality she she runs yeah. the team um and the buck stops with her and up to now uh she hasn't been able to stop the buck is that a thing anyway it's you know <laughs> she's not being <laughs> able to pull them out of the mire uh that they yeah. found themselves in and you know whether a big financial boost will um will help or uh uh or not whether she stays whether she goes you know i don't know at, at this stage from from what i can tell at williams anything is on the table mm. and we'll see I think where one, it goes once there isn't a williams actually in charge of the team then whether or not it's family owned is rather academic because it's not it's not necessarily who who owns it it's it's really the people involved and the fact that there is still a williams um at the head of the uh, uh responsible for the team that still that still means quite a lot well absolutely you know it's it's, it's nice to, it, it's nice to have a williams at the at the head of the company but at the end of the day it's not just you know 10 guys in a shed anymore it's it's no. thousands of people who all although it does feel like it with with the way williams <laughs> have been performing <laughs> i mean it does you could argue that maybe they'd do better but um you know there are there are there are hundreds if not thousands of people at the at williams who you know who have mortgages to pay who have families to support and and you know don't want to see the team fold so you know hopefully something will uh, will come from it excellent um would you waver any predictions for who's going to take home the uh driver's championship and the constructors championship or is that already a foregone conclusion for 2020 for the sake of um you know keeping people interested no i've no idea but if i was a betting man <laughs> if i was a betting man uh, which i'm not but if i was i'd be going out and putting at least a tenner on hamilton and mercedes again i can't see it going any other way yeah, I don't think you're going to get incredibly good odds no. uh, on that. I don't think you'd be getting a huge return. I Last time I placed a bet on Formula One, it was, uh, I think it was 2017, which was Bottas's first season. Um, and I uh, had like 90 to 1, I think 19 to 1, I put a, a bet on Bottas to win his first um, season with Mercedes. Uh, I did not win that bet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I felt the odds were quite long, and seeing as he was going to be in a quick car, I thought it was worth yeah. a punt. I mean, it might be uh, it might be worth a punt, you know, on him to win the Styrian Grand Prix, perhaps. But um, yeah, De- well, definitely, he, he knows the track. Uh, yeah, and he, he has car. always driven well there. In fairness, uh, mm. and he and you know, he, he drove there very well the, the, this weekend. You know, he didn't really put a foot wrong. But um, I I've, can't uh, I can't I've, see it lasting the season. 
I um we were talking about this just before the we started recording, but the new um uh, today is Tuesday, uh, the day of recording, and the new Formula One game has just come out, uh, and I spent the entire morning playing that for research purposes, I might add, <laughs> um, and all I've done is the um the the Austrian Grand Prix, just kind of replaying it, um, and it is indeed hard to stay within the track limits on that last turn. Uh, it's it's very quick and it tightens up, so I, I completely understand. And presumably in the game, the curbs don't shake your car to pieces either. The, the well, the it, it gives me as much feedback as my um, old Thrustmaster wheel will will allow, um, and until I upgrade to something a bit more powerful, that's that's all I'm going to uh, going to experience. But yes, it doesn't quite. It doesn't shake the gearbox loose of its mountings or whatever the hell is happening to the Mercedes. Um, I think if I was a betting man for this season, I'd definitely be putting the money on Mercedes and uh, Lewis Hamilton. And it would be nice. This would be number seven for Lewis Hamilton if he wins this season. It would. It I'm would equal mistaken. the Schumacher record that for, for so many years everyone thought was going to last forever. and would yeah. never be uh, equaled. But um, And some, some of the... Um, I saw some people asking questions around whether or not this season could still be kind of held up as a real season. And when, given how many, like in the Fangio era, how few races were in a season, and we still count those, I think it's only fair that this should uh, this should definitely count as a full season. So there shouldn't be any asterisks next to uh, any win this season. I would I would really like to see um, uh, Max Verstappen push as, as someone who grew up in the Netherlands and I know how much it means to Dutch F1 fans I'd really like to see him challenge for it but I think given the pace that Mercedes have shown so far it's uh, it's an outside bet I think if, if, the, if the slight fragility that Mercedes showed in Austria continues I think Verstappen will be there to um, to, to capitalise on it but um, you know if, if they if, if Mercedes if, if we count this as a fragile and slightly uh slightly off weekend for Mercedes and they still win and if they still come first and second on the road then that's pretty pretty daunting for everybody else fair enough um obviously on the uh car fiction fill-up podcast we sometimes touch on Formula One but we don't usually go into this much detail but if you do want to listen to a podcast that does go into a lot more detail about uh Formula One and is incredibly entertaining to boot Phil where on earth could people go with their podcast listening devices to go and find something interesting to listen to that gives in-depth humorous coverage of Formula One races well if you want if you want in-depth uh, analysis and sort of you know expert criticism then we are definitely not the podcast for you <laughs> but if you want people who really really like F1 know a little bit about it swear a lot and recognize that it's all great but also very very silly um, then you can visit www.ff1s.com uh, or search for FF1S for Formula One's sake on any of your normal podcast providers. Yes, um, as, a, as a fan of the podcast myself, I can wholeheartedly recommend you do that. And uh, you might hear a reference to Carfection on there um, as we are also doing a crossover on our YouTube channel. Uh, one of Phil's co-hosts, Mr. Terry Saunders, has been doing a series for us, um, giving a kind of sideways view at particular aspects of Formula One that he finds completely... Uh, either absurd or interesting or in need of further explanation um the state of f1 it's a segment on the podcast which we've broken out into its own video series on the channel remember you can find us at youtube.com forward slash carfection uh and to be honest if you're listening to this you already know that but we're we're trying out this new show and i can wholeheartedly recommend it but as phil says check out for formula one's sake wherever you get your podcasts it is it is definitely must listen to and now that the season's back um we should hopefully be getting the first episode 
probably only a day or so after this one. I believe you're recording it this week. Uh, well, before the next race, presumably. Before the next race, uh, currently scheduled for Thursday, just because of various uh, scheduling uh, commitments with everybody. Because we're, you know, we're a very big, we're a big team. Uh, there are there are literally several of us. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we should should be out uh, before before Syria kicks off. No, not Syria. That's a different race entirely. Styria, Styria <laughs> kicks off. The um, Syrian race. That'd be interesting in these times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe uh maybe give it a few years before that that kicks in uh my personal recommendation would be to go back a couple of episodes and listen to some of the um uh the podcast which covered some of the historic uh, historical race uh, historical 1999 doesn't feel like that long ago to me 21 years some, <laughs> oh god don't say that um uh some of the more interesting races that the uh formula one youtube channel has been putting out in their entirety uh the podcast has covered those because you know there was three months of no racing and you had to cover something and very entertaining it was but yes for formula one's sake i can wholeheartedly recommend that i definitely think that after you finish listening this to this you should check that out but for now um you remember you can find us carfection on youtube youtube.com forward slash carfection find us on twitter at carfection on instagram at carfection films um and phil where can people find you if they're interested in following your exploits online oh i mean i mean there's not a huge amount of exploits at the moment but uh you can find me on twitter at phil tromans you can visit my website uh uh two l's in phil all one word uh instagram i don't know flyers on lampposts yeah cards inside disused phone boxes <laughs> yeah just you should go out and shout my name and maybe i'll appear <laughs> excellent well thank you very much for joining me it's been great chatting to you uh catching up on formula one and uh well we'll be catching up i'm sure very very soon but for now for me it's goodbye and thanks again phil thank you really enjoyed it Let's